to the DGD Podcast, the Georgia Bulldogs Podcast for Dogs. From the gun again on first down, fires wide, Juan Daniels, touchdown Georgia. This is your favorite receiver, Juan Daniels, and you're listening to the DGD Podcast with my man, Robert Reynolds. Go Dogs! The DGD Podcast, a little bit later today, but hey, always a good day to be on the show. Obviously brought to you by Anchor. Um, you can find us on YouTube, right? Subscribe, ring the bell, get notified. Find us on Spotify. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, everything else. Like, follow, rate it, review it. Anyways, got special guest on, uh, coming back on, uh, Harrison Reno. Uh, from Top Dog Blogs. Welcome to the show, Harrison. Thank you, Robert, for having me again. Always always an honor to be back with you, man. I, I enjoyed my last outing here, so let's get back into it, man. Great show. Hey, you know, it's always good to have you on, man. I enjoyed our first uh, interview. I loved it. It was a good time, a good show. Uh, so what we're going to do here, guys, today, we're doing our complete SEC East and SEC West predictions. Uh, we're going to do our rankings here. Uh, both of us have set up our East and West rankings, uh, what we think will happen uh, at the end of the season. Uh, we'll talk a little bit as to why we have our logic for where we have our teams. Uh, and let's have a good show. Let's get started. Hey, so obviously before we start, though, I do want to talk about the recent news. If Obviously, Harrison, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, JT Daniels uh, signed an autograph deal with SportsCollectibles.com. Did you hear about that? I did not. Yeah, so... Basically signed on the uh, so basically just assigned a deal for the uh, sports collectibles. If you, if you're into memorabilia, uh, that's a very renowned name. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see his name out there on you know different things, uh, mini helmets, full size helmets, uh, you name it. Um, but anyways, while Harrison comes back, uh, looks to be as if. Um, we lost him for a minute, but while he's coming back. No, so just some cool things around here. So I don't know who this is, um, Facebook user. Uh, what's up, DGD Podcast from NorCal, dog? Um, what's going on, man? Um, one of the things here uh, for anybody watching live, the Facebook, um, the platform that I stream on, uh, it also it kind of just does this right here. So use the donate or oops, wrong thing. Let's do chat.restream.io slash FB. That way I, we can see who's commenting uh, instead of Facebook user. Uh, anyway, what, before we get started, Harrison, while you were getting situated here, I was saying that, you know, obviously JT had signed uh, the deal with uh, sportscollectibles.com. Uh, basically, if you're into memorabilia, uh, basically you're going to see his autograph on things, um, you know, helmets, whatever the case may be. And, you know, so I think that's a cool deal, obviously, based off the NIL uh, that we saw, uh, obviously, start July 1st. You know, what are your thoughts on him signing that uh, deal? Uh, obviously, really great news for JT. Um, you know, anytime an athlete can get uh, a sponsorship deal or an endorsement deal um, with any, you know, organization or business, it's always a great deal. Uh, you know, Georgia, Georgia brings that brand. When you're the starting quarterback at Georgia, that brings some brand significance to it, obviously. You know, you're going to have a far, you know, far, far reach as to um, the deals you can make with other businesses. I know Georgia's making a lot of deals. Crystal, 
uh, the restaurant down there in Georgia. So, uh, you know, excited for JT. Can't wait to see what type of memorabilia um, he's signing. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of dogs repping JT signature in the next few coming months. Not going to give anything away, but I've got something from JT coming already. Uh, kind of excited about that. Now, I'll, I'll have to show you uh, when I get it in. Uh, I'll probably just post it on the Twitter, guys. It's going to be – I'm excited to wait. I'm, I can't wait for it to come in. But anyways, let's get let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show today, man. Uh, SEC East, SEC West rankings, right? Um, you know, going into the going into the season, right, with media days coming up in a uh, what, about a week or so, right? Uh, uh, we know, start Monday. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, down in I think Birmingham or whatever, Hoover, Alabama. Um, you're looking forward to that, right? I look at I look at media days as a lot of content, really. You know, just comments from coaches, players. Uh, kind of get you some insight of what's going on with the programs. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see what happens down at LSU when LSU's media day with those allegations. If that gets brought up, I'm going to be really interested to see what goes on there. You know, with Coach O on the hot seat, in my opinion, down in uh, in the bayou. Uh, you know, looking at, you know, the new coaches as well. How are they going to handle uh, SEC media days with uh, Beamer, Clark Lee, uh, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, uh, what's it, Clark Lee? Uh, Heupel, right? Like all those guys. It's going to be interesting. To, and Harson, I forgot about him. Hart. It's going to be interesting to see these guys coming in. You know, just so many new faces. Oh, it's so weird, and it feels like it is so weird. Um, but anyways, let's go ahead and get started here. So, what we'll do here, I'm a, Harrison. Since you're the guest, I will let you go first. Uh, we're going to go. Do you want to go east west, or do you want to go west east? Well, you know, I, I think everyone that comes here is, you know, wants to hear us, you know, what's our thoughts on Georgia and all that this year. So let's make them wait till the end of the show. Let's go west. Oh, here. man. See, his guys, this is what he's doing to you. Anyways, so we'll start off west. We're going to go SEC West, then SEC East. Uh, Harrison, since you're the guest, I'll let you go first. Uh, I'm going to pull up the graphic here for uh, what you uh, are claiming, and I want you to explain to the audience why, and we'll, and we'll discuss accordingly. So this is Harrison's yep. SEC West picks. So he's got Alabama leading off and then followed by Texas A&M. Uh, third coming in LSU, uh, followed by Ole Miss at four, Auburn at five, Arkansas at six, and then at the very bottom, Mississippi State. Tell me – so obviously I think from this standpoint here, Alabama is one of those teams where you, you just – you have to you have to put them at the top, um, you know. But obviously, I want you to explain your logic here and why you have one through seven the way they are. Well, obviously, you know, like you said, Alabama has to be the top team. I mean, it's just rat poison if you don't put them uh, as the top team in the West, in my opinion. Um, you know, I don't want to jinx anything, anything like that. Definitely don't want anything bad to happen uh, if Georgia and Alabama match up down the line this season. So I, I think Alabama is bringing back a really good football team. Uh, I, I saw today PFF put out rankings on their defense, top defenses in college football. Georgia is number two, but Alabama's number one. Uh, you know, I know people like to give Alabama um, some flack for that performance when they played Ole Miss in the regular season this past year. But guys, you got to understand this def that defense was young. They're bringing back a more experienced defense, so I, I, I think they're going to bring. You know, I, they're bringing back a good defense. You know, they they have questions offensively, but who doesn't have questions offensively these days? You know, Georgia has questions offensively especially up front. But with Alabama, you know, I, I think they're going to do well this year. I, I can't see a team in the West that overtakes them up front, uh, you know, with just what they're bringing back. And they also got – they got the GOAT on the sideline, guys. Nick Saban. I mean, I, I, I can't see anyone beating them. I don't know what your thoughts on that. No, you know, well, I'll, I'll go ahead 
I'll go ahead and look at mine as well. So here is my picks here. So I've got Alabama uh, followed by LSU. And I know people, you can hate me if you want. But, I, you know, looking at Alabama, I'm just going to start off. Alabama, in, until somebody proves otherwise, Bama's not going to be off the number one spot. I, I just, even, even with what they've lost, I, I still think they come back and they rebound just as good. So I'm going to say they stay at first. I think that's a unanimous here. But this is where it gets interesting to me. And you look at LSU and Texas A&M. You, I look at LSU, and, you know, they bring some returning back. They have a quarterback situation right now with Miles Brennan and Max Johnson. Max Johnson is better suited to run that offense the way it is right now. And if they run him through and start him at quarterback, you're going to see better production on that offense. Uh, with that being said, you know, the defense is not a problem in my opinion. You have Stingley, you have Ricks at the, uh, in the cornerbacks. You've got a deep off uh, defensive line as well. Um, and that's going to be something that's going to be important for them, uh, you know, because they need to get to the quarterback to, you know, kind of take some pressure off of Ricks and Stingley. Uh, you know, the question there in my sec in the secondary to me might be the safeties, right? Everybody knows Ricks and Stingley. But nonetheless, I look at Texas A&M. The only reason why I have them third is because of the question mark at the quarterback position. You, you, lose, t you lose Kellen Mond, which was very experienced. You know, he wasn't the flashiest guy by any means. But he definitely was experienced and he knew what he was doing. Uh, and he let, you know, obviously you saw what happened when he led the game, uh, went and drive against Florida, things like that. And they've got uh, Spiller coming back. However, you know, there's we don't really have any experience there. They don't have any experience at the quarterback position. You know, I'm hearing Haynes King uh, is a real uh, important name there to keep an eye out for, which is more likely going to be their starter. Shall see on that. But, um, you know, Haynes King is so young, though. Uh, and with, you know, with, with inexperience, if you, you know, you're playing LSU's and, and Alabama's, you know, maybe even Ole Miss, uh, you know, there's a possibility you see them slip up to fall down to third. I don't see them falling down far. Uh, I just think LSU bounces back in a big way from last year. They're a lot better than what they put out last year. Let's just, I'm just going to say that there. So they're going to get better. You're going to see a better product on the field, which is why I have them at second. Going down to four, Ole Miss. Potent offense, very suspect defense. If they can resemble a defense and they can put something that resembles a defense on the field, I think you have a shot to be a dark horse to push Alabama uh, for the one spot. I don't think they, I don't think they take the one spot, but they could definitely come in two or three. Uh, they will make some noise. Uh, it, Matt Corral has that offense booming with Lane Kiffin, but that defense is just too suspect for me. Uh, you know, moving down to five, I look at Arkansas. Coach Pittman uh, with Bryles and Odom as their coordinators, great hires in year one. Uh, three wins, you know, three wins last year, which doesn't sound like much, but for a team and a program that hasn't won two, uh, hasn't won a game in two years prior in SEC play, um, definitely think that, you know, Arkansas is a tough team and, and they'll beat out uh, for the fifth spot. Uh, looking at Auburn, Brian Harson is just too – just so much going on there. No, I don't really understand. It's so much of an enigma right now around the Auburn program. You look at what they're doing on the recruiting trail, and it's 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 unnormal to say the least. Uh, five commits. Typically, at this point, I know I know it's too early. I get that. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm starting to have questions whether you know kids are going to buy in for the future. I don't know what's going on. You know, you have Bo Nix, but you have Finley as well, transferring from LSU. A lot of question marks on that team. 
have them at six. And then, you know, Mississippi State, look, Will Rogers looked good, but that team is just not good. And there's just too much talent above them to really make an impact in the West. That's why I have Mississippi State at seven. Now, Harrison, I know I kind of cut you off a little bit, so I'm going to put your graphic back up, and I'm going to let you explain more in detail with your rankings one through seven. You didn't cut me off, man. I think, I, you know, a- excellent list. I think both of these, I think, you know, there's there's a few changes in between both of them. But, but I think unanimously, if I remember correctly, three are in the same order, if I believe. Maybe maybe Auburn and Arkansas switch, if I remember correctly. Um, but really, you know, bouncing off what you said, talking about A&M, obviously, you know, LSU is probably the biggest contender to A&M for that second spot in the West. My questions, main question with A&M is, they lost four starters on the offensive line. And, and A&M, you know, they've always had good athletes. Uh, their offensive line was pretty stout last year from what I remember. But, you know, that that could be the decider uh, in a matchup with LSU and Alabama. It certainly will be up front with Alabama because Alabama always seems to win the line of scrimmage no matter who they're playing. Even when they're playing Georgia, they always find a way to win the line of scrimmage. So, you know, with A&M, they got questions at quarterback. Uh, they got to answer those, but, you know, with Isaiah Spiller coming back and then they have uh, Devon, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to attempt, uh, coming back and running back as well. They're going to they're gonna have dual roles in that backfield, uh, you know, and I, I think they're going to rely on their ground game a little bit this year. Um, not not totally. I think, you know, with Jimbo Fisher, they're always going to try and air the ball out because um, that's just what he's – that's his bread and butter. But I, I just think A&M, you know, they, they got a lot of momentum going in this year. And, and with LSU, I just – you know, they, they have questions of quarterback, too. I think, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what the role their offense plays this year. You know, obviously, they got a new offensive coordinator. You know, I, I don't know how they're going to respond to that. Um, I'm interested to see how that all works out for LSU this year. I just there, there's just too much smoke um, coming from that program, in my opinion. You know, there, there, there has to be some fire. And I just I just can't see anything above a third place finish for LSU this year. Obviously, they're getting older on defense. They're bringing back some more veterans on offense. I'm interested in how they do, but I just can't, can't see a, uh, anything above a third-place finish for the Tigers. And that brings me to the bottom of the list. Obviously, Ole Miss, uh, you know, Robert mentioned it on the on our pod, on my podcast the other week. You know, they're the dark horse in the SEC this year. You know, they have a really good offense. I have a mastermind head coach uh, offensively in Lane Kiffin who's going to be dialing up the place. There's no doubt about that. Lane Kiffin will dial up the right shots for, for Ole Miss. You bring back an experienced quarterback with Matt Corral. I, yeah, I, I, think, you know, I have questions yeah, yeah. defensively, but, you know, they have the offense, you know, to get it done, to, to have a solid season. You know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe six to seven wins for Ole Miss this year may get it done uh, at number four, depending on what LSU and Texas A&M finish at. Um they got the offense, man. They just got to fix the questions defensively. And, you know, you could challenge in the future for that second spot in the SEC West. Uh, but there's a stretch there. I mean, obviously, you got to find defense and you got to recruit at a high level to do that. Um, and with the bottom three, obviously, Auburn, like like Robert said, I mean, Auburn, you know, there's a lot in that program. Obviously, uncertainty with quarterback that seems to be the theme out of these SEC West teams is. They don't have an answer at quarterback yet. Obviously, you bring back Bo Nix, who I would say is quote-unquote experienced now in the SEC. But now you have T.J. Finley in the mix with Mike Bobo, offensive coordinator for Georgia quarterback. They're running their offense for Brian Harson. I, I, my, my question is, Brian Harson is 
you know, an off, he's an offensive-minded coach. Uh, he, he's led some great offenses, you know, throughout his career, even at Boise State. My question is, how much control does he give up to a guy like Mike Bobo to run his offense the way he wants to run his offense? Because I think if, you know, look at Mike Bobo's system, I think TJ's best fit for Bobo's system, what we've seen him run in the past, I think he wants a strong-arm guy. Uh, you know, not saying that Bo Nix is not that. I think Bo Nix would bring uh, a lot of great abilities to that football team. But I think TJ Finley, if it's truly Mike Bobo's offense, I think Finley fits the system better. Uh, and, and you you got to look at it this way. When you bring in a transfer, no matter if it's a quarterback, receiver, you're, you're going to have to find a way to get them on the field. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to continue to have success in the transfer portal. So I, I'm excited to see what they do this year. Um, but I, I can't see them finishing in the top four. Um, not not even – I mean, it, it's, they've got a lot to figure out. And then bottom two, obviously, Arkansas and Mississippi State down there at the bottom. You know, I got a lot of love for Arkansas. Seems uh, Coach Pittman there, you know, it, it, it's awesome. You know, I think Coach Pittman is a fan favorite. You know, no one else like him. I think uh, I, I had a take just a few years ago that he was the best – uh, one of the best non-coordinators of all time to ever coach at Georgia between the hedges. That's a hot take. Um, I, I'm sure there will be people uh, that agree with me, but you know, I don't know if many people notice they're on a hot streak recruiting wise. Uh, they're getting people in the boat. You know, let's let's see them. They got uncertainty at quarterback, like the rest of these teams. I want to see them progress and develop and see what they can do in the SEC this year. Um, you know, they, they could be another dark horse team that could pull off a few upsets, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do this year with Mississippi State. Like uh, Robert said, I mean, it's it, it's a tough it's tough sledding for Mike Leach over there at Mississippi State. Obviously, that offense is is pass happy, is all get out. Um, I just can't see them doing much damage over there this year in the SEC. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, looking at looking at the West right now, I think you look at it as kind of being. You know, even with even with the loss of, uh, you know, the talent that Alabama lost, I still feel like there's a sizable gap between uh, Alabama and the rest. Um, I, you know, looking at it, I think your list, you can argue, obviously, we just made a couple of changes. You know, I, I look at your list as being, you know, fairly reasonable, too. I can see it going either way, either mine or yours. Uh, I just, I don't know, I just feel like with that list right there, um, you know, just things going to happen, right? I tried to account for some things that you won't see. Uh, someone, I don't know who it is, but someone was saying with six number ones, a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, and the loss of an all-time record-setting uh, single-season quarterback, they see Bama slipping it back to the pack a little bit. I don't. I, I think what that means is not all the way to the back, so don't get that twisted. But they see him take a step back, maybe to two. You know, I look at that comment and yeah, I just don't see it. I understand, you know, you're you're having to replace uh, several seniors on the offensive line. I understand you're having to replace Waddle and, and Devontae Smith, your Heisman candidate. Uh, you you look at, uh, you know, having to replace Mac Jones, right? That's a big deal too. But Bryce Young is actually going to be more athletic there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. To, uh, uh, well, let's forget or not forget, uh, you lost Sark too. Uh, which mm -hmm. I loved his offensive scheme. However, you combat you combat that with Bryce Young. I think you see now. This is me thinking here. I think you see kind of a, a Tua like offense again. Uh, you know, you still have Mechie. Uh, you're going to have some other guys. What they they picked up a transfer, Jameson Williams from Ohio State. 
Uh, I expect him to make an almost instant impact. Uh, you know, they've got a, several freshmen from this incoming class that are really low, like really good class. Uh, you know, you have their 2020 class receivers, which I think kind of fall back behind the 2021 guys. Um, they're, they're still loaded at the, at the receiver position. You know, I, I just – and their defense is just still ridiculous as well. I don't see Bama slipping. Uh, uh, Nick Saban will not let them do that. Um, you, they may not throw up as many points and look, you know, look as good in the stat category. They will, they will not change the win category. Uh, I don't see that. Um, you know, you may see a slip up. I don't see it. My big thing is, you know, obviously we talk about the loss of all the players they lost to the NFL, but I think, I think what's going to make the biggest difference this year, um, in my opinion, and I, I, there's probably going to be millions of others that are going to disagree with me. I think the loss of Steve Sarkeesian is a big one. Obviously, they were able to rebound when they lost a guy like Lane Kiffin, uh, who, like Sark, is an offensive mastermind, probably the top two offensive masterminds in the game of college football today. Um, but, you know, you bring in a guy like Bill O'Brien from the NFL who, you know, give him credit, he had a pretty successful run when he was at Penn State. Uh, you know, he didn't do too many things too wrong, uh, considering the circumstances he went in there uh, when he first came into the job. But, you know, I, I kind of question – uh, what type of offense he's going to run at Alabama because I wasn't fairly impressed with what he did with Deshaun Watson in Houston. I think some of the calls he would make on, uh, you know, on, on first and third down were, you know, I don't know, just errors. I mean, I wasn't too impressed with what he did in the NFL. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried what he's going to run over there at, at Alabama. Obviously, the stakes are high for him considering that they, you know, just set up two – school records and and points per game, I believe, and scoring offense uh, in back-to-back years. They broke their own record twice, two years in a row. So, you know, there's some high stakes over there in in Tuscaloosa, and I I question what it's going to do with that offense. No, yeah, I think, you know, people look at Mac Jones being gone or, you know, Najee Harris even, you know, whoever you want to say is the main X factor being gone, and and I agree with you 100%. I think losing Sarkeesian and bringing in Bill O'Brien is the biggest question mark because you just don't know what he's going to do. Not saying he can't have success. I I think Bama's system fits for about anybody. Anybody could go in there with the talent that they have and and I think produce, you know, success and have success. Uh, It's just going to be what he does. You know, I'm curious to see what happens and really, you know, I just I don't know. I'm wondering if it becomes a defensive team again, which, you know, looking at the way the game is now, you know, which would be very different, especially for an elite, you know, championship caliber team to to revert back to a traditional defensive minded team, uh, you know, kind of like what happened five, ten years ago. You know, that kind of mentality, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens or, you know, who's to say they go and just, you know, bust another record, you know. Anyways. Let's go ahead and revert. We're going to go and switch it over to the East now. This is obviously what SEC fans have been waiting for. Obviously, these dog fans have been waiting for. Harrison, I'm going to pull up your East rankings. Tell me what you got. All right, so out of the gate, I think Georgia finishes number one this year. I think that's consensus across the country this year when looking at the SEC. Um, From my unbiased perspective, I think, you know, Georgia, obviously, we bring back a lot of t- – Georgia brings back a lot of talent offensively. You know, you bring back some talent defensively. And I saw, you know, PFF ranked Georgia number two defensively in the country. I think that's a little high in my opinion. You know, I, I expect us to probably be a top ten defense 
Uh, I, I don't expect us to be a top five defense this year. I think with the questions you have in the secondary with, you know, you, you get three, two or three, you know, really experienced guys um, coming in from the transfer portal and Tyke Smith and Darion Kendrick, you know, you'll bring back an experienced safety in Lewis scene, but, and then you have a guy like Christopher Smith who saw a lot of games last year, saw a lot of play time uh, in the back end of that defense. And, you know, he played well considering, uh, that he hadn't played that much until then. So, you know, I think Georgia wins the East this year. You've got to be able to take care of business in the East this year. Aside from Florida, you know, they they should win by two or three scores. That's what I expect. Um, and, and, you know, you probably win by more looking at the bottom of who I projected. You know, aside from Florida, you, you got to win games decisively. There can be no hiccup. You, you got a tough week one matchup against Clemson. You lose that one. You got to go perfect the rest of the way, including the SEC championship, to even hope that you can get in the college football playoffs. So Georgia's number one. And, and then with Florida, obviously, you know, I, I think most people listening to this podcast do not like the Gators. They, they probably want to see them finish last in the SEC just so they can laugh at the Gators, you know. But, but let's give them credit. Dan Mullins, you know, really good offensive uh, play caller. He knows what he's doing offensively, you know. I'll, I'll give him some credit. He has developed some talent over there in Gainesville. He's done a really good job with guys like Kyle Trask, uh, Kyle Pitts, you know, Trevon Grimes, Kadarius. Done a really good job developing those guys and getting those guys in a position uh, to, to play, you know, as well as they did in their time in Gainesville. But, you know, they got some quarterback uncertainty. Obviously, Emory Jones, he's been there for a few years now. He's been the uh, hand-picked successor uh, to Kyle Trask for about two years now. I still got questions about him. He's a strong on quarterback, but, you know, does he have the accuracy that made Kyle Trask so explosive? You know, Kyle Trask wasn't the strong arm, uh, you know, gunslinger that could throw it 70 yards downfield and, you know, not worry about it, you know, being underthrown or anything like that. That that was not Kyle Trask. So how does Emory fit in this offense? And, and how does Florida rebound offensively without their top four guns you know, sitting out there uh, going out for passes? So, uh, I'm interested to see what they do. Obviously, you know, they could rely on the run a little bit more this year. Um, but and, and then obviously, you know, the defense guys. I mean, there's not 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 much else to be said defensively. You know, they're going to have to get a lot better defensively if they if they want to win the SEC East and get back to Atlanta uh, this year. And, and then third, I, this is where I think me and Robert's list could differ. Um, some may pick Kentucky. Some may pick Missouri. I, I think it's probably 70 percent are going to pick Kentucky just because, you know, They've always been on the cusp of maybe, you know, upsetting Florida, um, you know, every other year. So I, I just feel Missouri, they bring back an experienced quarterback uh, and, and they bring back, uh, you know, Eli Drinkowitz, who, give him credit, he did a pretty good job in a 10-game SEC season. I, I, I think they have what it takes to finish third. I don't think they have what it takes to pull an upset on Missouri or Georgia, but they could do some damage um, playing up against, you know, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, you know, the rest of the SEC East, and, and then with Kentucky. Guys, I, I don't know what's going on at Kentucky. I don't know, you know, who's going to be their quarterback this year. Uh, they, they could go for a change at quarterback. They, they got a lot of questions offensively. Obviously, they, you know, they're still in the dark ages offensively. Uh, they're still running a very similar system to what Georgia run, except I think they're more extreme with their ground game. Obviously, you got two pretty good backs in the backfield um, and, and a pretty solid defense. I just, you know, I don't think they have the offense to, to score with a Missouri, um, even though Missouri's not a top team uh, in the SEC year in and year out. 
and then with you know we get down to the to the new faces. Obviously, Shane Beamer at South Carolina, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, and, and you know Clark Lee at uh at Vanderbilt, almost at Notre Dame. Um, I, I think I have a lot of a lot of hope in Shane Beamer. I think he could do uh, well at South Carolina. I think you know in order to keep your job at South Carolina uh, or to be considered a really good South Carolina coach, you got to be winning eight nine games a year. I think that's doable um, for South Carolina in the next four to five years, if they give Shane Beamer time, uh, you know, to put it all together. Obviously, he's a pretty good recruiter. Um, there, there are some questions around his coaching staff. I don't know um, how, how good, you know, they're going to do in the SEC. But I think, uh, you know, getting to six or seven wins this year, getting to a bowl game is a win for Shane Beamer. And then we get down to the quote-unquote dumpster fires of the Southeastern Conference, Tennessee, um, you know, we talked about LSU having a lot of smoke. Well, there's a lot of fire um, that's having to be put out in, you know, at Tennessee this year. Uh, obviously, you know, the McDonald's pay, uh, McDonald's Happy Meal bags and all that. You got to get that crap together. Um, you know, t- Josh Heupel has a tough job. It's probably one of the toughest jobs in college football coming in this year. And, and then there's Vanderbilt, um, who I expect to have a rough season. Really looking forward to see what Georgia does against Vanderbilt this year uh, when those two teams meet. Yeah, so you're you're more analytical here. I'm going to throw smoke right now. All right, so, you know, I look at your list, and we have some differences here. So I'm going to pull up my list here, and you'll understand why. At the top, UGA. There's no question. Georgia is hands and shoulders above the rest in the SEC East. There's no question. Um, You look at the talent that we brought in from the transfer portal to fill in our holes. You fill in, um, you know, you fill in the uh, Darian Kendrick, like you said. You fill in Tyke Smith, Eric Gilbert, right? Huge names to fill in the the question marks. Only question mark I'm seeing right now, in my opinion, is the left tackle. Uh, You know, and I think, honestly, looking at the schedule, all you really need to make sure you have settled is game one. After that, you let, you know, I think Mount Mims take over. Uh, as the season progresses at left tackle. But you, I think you start Jamari Sawyer against Clemson because you need that experience there. After that, you give uh, you give him some time. You give Mount Mims uh, the season to go through and do what you got to do. Um, you Then, you know, here's where our changes start. Kentucky at number two, and I'll explain. Defense, defense, defense. That defense is ridiculous. It's always been good under Stoops. That's the one of the most, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated SEC coaches right now. He doesn't get enough credit for putting the, the kind of defenses that he does out on the field. And to your point, you know, the the Stone Age offenses, I, I don't see that. You, you have Joey Gatewood, which I don't think is that great. But you bring in Bo Allen from Penn State, and I think it's going to make them compete. And I think all Stoops needs to do is, is establish some sort of passing game. They're going to be they're, – they're a team that's built kind of similar to Georgia of the past. You're going to run it down your throat, and you're going to play solid defense, good hard-nosed defense. That's what's going to generate their success. But what's going to get them to number two is establishing that passing game. I think they can do that. Um, you know, they shored up the tackle situation from the LSU transfer, Dare Rosenthal, bring in Ole Miss's leading tackler, Jock Jones. They're, they're, you know, they lost some pieces, sure, but they also shored up some pieces by bringing in some key transfers there. The, the key here between two and three, three being Missouri, that game early in the season, 
whoever wins that game is going to be second in the SEC East. And I think Kentucky will give Connor Bazelak enough problems and their offense can sit there and run it down their throat but make enough passes to beat Missouri barely. That's why I've got Kentucky at two. Missouri at number three. Missouri is a really good team on the rise. And, uh, you know, you look at what Eli did in his first year, no offseason, and they really, you know, they played well. They beat LSU at the beginning of the year. You know, obviously the record doesn't say things like that, but I'm telling you, if you watch their program and you watch them play, you can understand why I'm, I'm so high on Missouri. It really was a toss-up for me between Kentucky and Missouri to two and three. I just think that Kentucky's defense is a little bit more stout and was it's going to give Basilak more problems. Therefore, I have Kentucky at two. Moving on to number four. Hey, Florida fans, you're falling back. I'm just going to let you know that right now. You lost too damn much to make any kind of resemblance of a push to even challenge Georgia – but you got to worry about Kentucky. Kentucky's defense is going to give Emory Jones problems, and you lost your you lost your historic offense. You lose Kyle Trask, you lose Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, Trayvon Grimes. You lose them all. You have what to replace them with. You bring in Demarcus Bowman. I'll give that credit. It was a good five star uh, transfer from Clemson. I think he's going to have an impact. However, you lost too much. And, 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 and your coach, Dan Mullen, doesn't do a good enough job to be Florida Gators recruiting, so you, you really don't have much to show. It's going to be rough for you. And you bring in, you, you know, what, Dan, uh, uh, Todd Grantham, one of the, in my opinion, one of the worst defensive coordinators. It's so predictable it's easy to pick off and know what he's doing. You sit there, week three, he could be gone after week three. Because you play what Florida Atlantic is your test before Alabama. Alabama comes into the swamp. After that, if, if Bama drops 40, 50 points on you, the, the Florida fans might revolt and have him gone. And then what do you do? Then it just downfalls, in my opinion. If, if they can kind of keep it close between Bama, sure, you can salvage it. But you still got to play LSU, Georgia, and Kentucky. I'm telling you, Kentucky's defense is going to be a problem for the SEC East. Kentucky plays Georgia difficult the past couple of years. We've played ugly games. The score says one thing. If you watch the games, you understand. Very physical defense, ugly games. Moving on to number five, South Carolina. Shane Beamer, obviously new coach. But the thing about him is he's got some definite momentum right now. I want to say in the span of a few weeks, they got they got 10 commits. Something's going on there in South Carolina and Columbia to make me think the kids are buying in and the recruits are as well. Um, you know, I watched their spring game, the Garnet and Black game. It looked to be high, high energy, you know, doing really well. Right. I, I like EJ Jenkins. Remember that name, Georgia fans. EJ Jenkins. Huge guy. Huge. I want to say like six, seven. Going to be a problem. Going to be a problem, and I think Luke Doty has a decent year. I still have them under five, or I mean at five, but Luke Doty is going to take them where they need to be. I expect them to be at five just because of the fact that they're so new, establishing new, you know, trying to establish the culture, new offense, everything like that, new schemes. And, and like I said, Kentucky and Missouri are fine. Um, so got South Carolina at five. And then obviously, hey, dumpster fires, Tennessee. 
Look, Tennessee, every week, just take your 45-minute trip down to Dollywood and go ride the roller coasters. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it ain't even worth putting out, man. They, they, don't even have, they don't even have a team. I'm surprised they do. You know, they had so many kids lose, you know, get lost through the portal, right? They had so many kids transfer out. Um, so, you know, really, though, I mean, Tennessee, you know, McNuggets over here, it's, it's terrible. It really is. Uh, and then Vanderbilt, you don't even have a team. I don't, I'm surprised they even have a team. Like, like look, you, you have 11 people to go out there and play. I just don't see them being competitive whatsoever. Um, you know, Vanderbilt, just go listen to some Nashville music, uh, you know, every week when you're home. Uh, you know, don't bother showing up. It's, it's going to be ugly. Uh, so there are my top seven rankings. Harrison, what do you think? All right. Working on some technical difficulties there. Uh, well, in the meantime, we're looking at some comments here. Uh, Tanil Calvino says, I'm saying Kentucky has a real shot to beat Florida this year. Hey, I agree with that as well. Uh, she also says that we need the weak side of the SEC to come up some more. Hello? Uh, yeah. Hey, Harrison, there you go. I was there just talking go. about There we go. Technical difficulties. But no, so obviously you see what uh, you see my rankings here. You know, obviously we had a little discussion or our changes and differences here uh, between the two and four spots. Actually, one, five, six, seven, all the same. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so obviously to me it shows you like a three-tier system here. Uh, you have Georgia being the elite of the elite in the east. Then you have two through four being really a toss-up. Uh, you know, that next level down, uh, really anything can go, right? Like it could be a matter of a game. Uh, or two, and the tiebreaker, really, you could have a head-to-head -head tiebreaker deciding two through four. Uh, and then five through seven, I, I mean, let's be honest, I don't think really anybody cares, uh, you know, except for South Carolina. I do want to see if they can be competitive. Uh, you know, they have a tricky game against ECU, which doesn't sound tricky, but it really is. Uh, ECU is not a bad team, uh, you know, and if they can do that right there, you know, and, and really their first half of the season, if they can come in four and two, uh, coming into that back half, there's a good chance that we, you know, there's a good chance that you might see uh, Beamer Ball really go down uh, and make a bowl his first season. Uh, but let's be honest, Tennessee, man, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, that whole state is just in shambles right now. Different reasons, you know, obviously, I, I think, you know, someone said that dogs need to hang 70 on Vandy. Look, I would love to see Kirby Smart drop 70 on Vanderbilt. I would love to see him drop 50 on everybody, as we should. Do, does it happen? I hope. I doubt it. Let's let's make statements this year. I think this is the year that we need to make statements like that. But nonetheless, you know, obviously these are our rankings here. Uh, you know, Harrison, we basically had kind of the same agreements, different logics. Uh, you know, obviously the East was a little bit of a toss up. We had a couple minor changes in the West. You know, I'm just looking forward to to having a good season, 100% capacity. You know tailgating and, you know, just having that kind of same experience, that, you know, that we're not used to anymore compared to last year. You know, I, I can't wait to see the seasons. Obviously, I can't wait to see what happens at media day. Uh, you know, what are your takeaways for media days coming up next week? And then two weeks now, uh, looking at the start of uh, summer camp. You know, for, for my takeaways for SEC media day, I, I want to hear, you know, from Kirby, from JT, um, you know, even Jordan Davis to an extent. What is that offensive line looking at, uh, looking like, you know, as, as we're entering fall camp? 
obviously Kirby said, uh, you know, after G-Day that uh, the offensive line was not where it needs to be. Uh, you know, that's a less, I mean, that's not concerning, uh, but it, it's not uh, for, you know, for a fan base that has been used to over the last four or five years, a, a really stout offensive line, I would say elite offensive line play over the last four or five years. So, you know, Georgia has to get that offensive line fixed. Um, you know, obviously I want to hear a lot about what these skill positions are looking like offensively. What is Eric Gilbert looking like? What does Jermaine Burton look like? You know, how's the chemistry between JT and the rest of the offense? And then um, from from Kirby's perspective, I want to hear, you know, obviously I think a little bit of concern. We had a very inconsistent run game last year, it felt like, especially in those last four games. You know, we had two games where our ground game was working. You know, everything we were firing on cylinders. And then we had two other games against Mississippi State and Cincy where we could not run the ball to save our lives, um, which is, you know, we're not used to that. We're always able to lean on guys and and, and go run the uh, pound the rock, as as you know people like to say. Um, we just weren't able to do that. So I want to see, you know, I want to find answers for being balanced. I think Georgia needs to be a much balanced offense. You know, as much as we love to see JT Daniels throw for 400 yards a game, I want to see if he throws for 400 yards. I want our running backs running for you know over 150 you know, combined, you know, so I want to be a little bit more balanced. Let's, let's, let's try and keep guys healthy. Um, you know, I would love for us not to have to play JT Daniels that much in the fourth quarters of games. You know, I want to get out of the season healthy because that's the biggest thing for Georgia. If you want to go challenge for national title, you have to stay healthy um, at, at all positions. So that's, that's what I'm looking for on SEC media day. And, and then in fall camp, going into fall camp, obviously, you got some major position battle guys. You got cornerback who's starting next to Darion Kendrick. And then offensive line wise, you got to find a left tackle and or a right guard, depending on where you're shifting your offensive line around. If Jamari Salyer is your guy at tackle, then Tate Ratledge will be your guy at right guard, in my opinion, with Justin Schaefer shifting to the left. Yeah, no, I, you know, listening to that right there, you know, kind of what I'm looking for, uh, you know, I want to see. You know, I'm I'm expecting you're going to hear about this California trip right over uh, the spring break. Um, you know, if if anybody's not familiar with that, JT brought basically what, some most of the receiving core out to California and did some work. I think you had what Jermaine Burton, uh, AD Mitchell, um, Darnell went out back that way. I think Kendall was out there, but I mean Kendall's from California anyway. So uh, you know, I'm curious to see if JT has to answer to that, which. You know, in my opinion, that was a great thing to see because that's something that we needed, uh, you know, taking that extra step and getting that chemistry with those receivers. That's something a true leader is going to do uh, and, and someone that, a, you know, a true leader that wants to win and, and win at a high level. That's what, you know, that's what those guys do. And obviously we saw that, uh, you know, looking at, you know, obviously looking into, you know, what I think Jordan Davis, you know, Jordan Davis could have left uh, this past year and, and made millions of dollars. What made him come back? You know, we, we hear this unfinished business. You know, you know, why is that? Why does that mean so much to him? I, I want to hear, you know, maybe something about that. Uh, you know, Kirby, I want to I hear his philosophy. You know, you can, you're going to have to decipher the coach speak, you know, because you're going to get a heavy dose of it. But I want to see it, how his philosophy changes. It, you know, he talked about airing the ball out. And that's something that Georgia fans are not used to. I want to get used to that, but at the same time, I do understand balance wins games. Uh, you know, typically Georgia runs the ball and then that opens the pass game. I want to see if we revert to a pass to get past the run game open. Uh, really, when you find that balance, 
you're never going to be 50-50, but if you can, you know, find that perfect balance that fits your system, fits your personnel, you know, that's what that's the championship blend and the for success uh, to get a national title. You know, there's a lot of pressure on Georgia this year, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, and then you look at Florida, right? Like it's going to be so interesting to see because the the rest of the SEC East. And, and you know they're, they've lost so much. New four, new three new coaches in the SEC East alone. Uh, you know, doing things like that right there. This is Georgia's to take. So anything less than a, a basically a, a, a clean sweep of the season outside of Clemson is a is a huge disappointment. Uh, you know, and then going into fall camp, like you were, or summer camp, I should say. You know, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the offensive line. Who are our five guys? And you, and I want Luke to sit there and determine those five guys and just let them go. You know, obviously, if you know, I want Mims to be the left tackle. I think he's the left tackle of the future. You know, but it's going to be interesting to see if you know if they put Sawyer there to start and then work him way through the season, like I'm thinking, or do they put you know do they put Mims out there uh, as a true freshman, uh, you know, and start against Clemson? You know, I, I think if you go into summer. do good things for the offensive line, which is really important to keep JT up and healthy because his his health is really the X factor for our season and national title contention. You know, you look at Carson Beck. I like what Carson Beck's about. You know, you, you have Brock Vandergrift. But, you know, but BV is learning the playbook right now. He needs to be doing that. Obviously, you've got, you know, you've got the mailman. But I want to be able to rely on Carson Beck if something happens. You know, I, I hope nothing does. But you know, I think seeing in the you know in the in the spring game, I think Carson Beck showed enough to kind of relieve some concerns for me in the backup situation. Do I expect him to play against Alabama and win? Maybe. I, he's definitely got this. He's got the skill set to do it. Uh, but that's a big tall task, and I think that's something that this is why JT Daniels' health is so important. You know, obviously you look at the health and the chemistry between him and really our receivers. You know, a lot of people forget. Don Blaylock, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, all coming back from injuries. Uh, so when they get back to health, you look at this receiver room, it is absolutely stacked. There's no excuses for Georgia this year. And I guarantee you, all the way from SEC media days, all the way through the season, you're going to hear that. There's no excuses for Georgia. We've got to come in week in, week out, and take care of business and make statements. Yeah, and I think Georgia, you know, really, you know, like you said, the expectations are as high as they're ever going to get. You know, after 2017, you know, that 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 season significantly raised the stakes going forward for Kirby Smart, you know, because everyone wants to get back. Uh, that that nightmare is still fresh in the heads of every single fan. You know, I, I, I think I was talking to Jamie Goodman. He hasn't turned on that 2017 National Championship game since the day he turned it off on that yeah, day. Can't, very can't blame him. Cannot blame him. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, you know, that that's a nightmare in everyone's heads. They don't want to remember that. And I, I think everyone's getting a little tired of this 1980 joke that's been going on for the last 40 years. Talk about a 40-year-old joke. Um, you know, Georgia has to put that in the past. And, 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 you know, really, I'm not saying this is championship or bust because Kirby Smart will not lose his job this year. No matter what, he will not lose his job. Um, Kirby He'd Smart be stupid is, to fire him. He would be stupid to fire him. Anybody thinks the co coach Kirby oh, yeah. Smart is on the hot seat after this year is absolutely ridiculous. You're, you're, he's I mean, not going to yeah, get fired. Who are you going to come in to bring him in? Yeah, no, it's absolutely it's such a lazy take. Who would you bring in? I can't even think of nobody. You like really? Who if you let go of Kirby Smart, who are you bringing in? He recruits at the highest level. He's literally he was literally within two years he was 
a play away from winning a national title. Now, I understand he didn't win it, but nonetheless, if you were to let go of him, who are you bringing in? No one. I'll wait. You know, I'll sit here and wait. You, you know, and nine, you know, ninety-five percent of college programs would probably take him right on the spot. Um, if you were people would build, fire, so. I guarantee you athletic departments would fire their coaches or find a way to fire their coach to bring him in. Oh, for sure. I mean, boosters, this is boosters, not championship of bus, guys. No, no. Yeah. No. This is not championship of bus. They got, they got time. Um, you know, Robert said a really good thing about Carson Beck. You know, he showed us that, you know, he's a stud. I, I think a lot of people forgot about him this past year because, you know, he took that redshirt year. He, he sat behind and, and really just, Learn the playbook. I would have loved to saw. Uh, would have loved to see him last year. I think that would have been interesting to see how he, you know, how he's progressed from year one to year two. Uh, but you know, I have confidence in the young kid that if you know anything were to happen to JT, God forbid, um, because you know my Twitter timeline, uh, I mean, would it would be an ugly sight to see, um, to say the least. But you know, I have confidence in the young kid that he could, you know, run the offense um, effectively for Georgia. But you know, really. Like you said, it, the X factor is JT Daniels' health. Um, it, you know, I, I think we're all dying to see this full playbook fleshed out. We want to see all this complex stuff that, that Todd Munkin has run for his career. We want to see it at Georgia because we saw a very, very minimal version of it last year, a very died-down version of it. I want to see all these passing concepts that he's perfected, you know, not only at the college level but at the professional level as well because you're going to need those if you want to win a national championship offensively. Yeah, no, I think my final point here uh, before we wrap things up, I want to see I want to see JT Daniels execute Todd Munkin's scheme. Todd, his scheme was his his foot his handprints were all over our offense, and you saw it. It was just a lack of execution. You know, I wanted to see Carson Beck last year too, and I understand that there was no offseason to really help him, and that hurt him uh, in regards to that. And and against an SEC schedule, that is a that is a big no no in my opinion. Putting him being so wet behind the ears. Yeah, that's a bad idea. So Kirby did the right thing, playing experience, right? You give Dwan Mathis a shot. Um, it, it just didn't work out for him, right? Uh, you know, you bring in Stetson, the experience, you know, the, the composure really to kind of manage these games. Uh, I hate to sound bad about it. You know, he got us where we were, but he, it was really a game-managing situation. And and I, as literally once the reins were handed over to JT, it become his new offense. You know, a lot of people look at what JT was able to do and people were, you know, people were talking about, oh, you know, look at what, you know, this is why we need to use the tight ends. The tight ends were open all year. We just didn't hit them. So, you know, I, I think with a full offseason, you know, chemistry building, obviously from that California trip, all these reps that they're getting, I only expect good things and more pro, uh, production. You know, seeing the small things, right, seeing Darnell get open. You have Arik Gilbert to kind of take over the X spot for Pickens until he gets back, right? Pickens is more than likely going to come back, guys. We're going to be playing for the SEC championship with a spot at the title, at least, in my opinion. He's going to come back and play. I'm, I'm making that statement now. You bring in Pickens and Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington and Kendall Milton, Zeus, James Cook. You're, it's a nightmare for defensive coordinators. It's a nightmare for defenses in, in, in general. Um, you know, and – that's why, you know, that's why everybody's putting this no excuse mantra on Georgia this year. But nonetheless, hey, Harrison, thank you. And it was a great time again, as always, man, coming on the show. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Hey, let everybody know where they can find you, man. Hey, y'all can find me over at SIDogsDaily.com. Uh, we've got a ton of content coming out daily. 
Uh, I just finished up or I'm finishing up a series looking at some pre-camp position battles. Go check them out. You get position battles like linebacker, corner, uh, offensive line. A lot of great content coming out over there, even the X receiver spot. A lot of great content. But you can go follow me on Twitter at topdog underscore blogs. But with me and keep up to date with all the things I'm doing. Uh, I do host my own podcast, the Top Dog Talk. If you want to go check it out, it is on pretty much every platform. Uh, I don't know about the small, small platforms, but they're on the big ones uh, the big three as they call them so check it out there but robert thank you for having me today i mean it's always a blast man anytime we can converse and, and collab between two podcasters and two content creators um it's always a blast man so thank you for having me on uh again today hey man my pleasure guys that's all for today just make sure hey check out the website dgdpodcast.com you can find out how to watch the show how to listen to the show uh, got links to all the platforms that this uh, podcast is available on. Make sure you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you know we're on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Obviously, you can catch us and subscribe and follow, rate, review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, many, many more. Uh, on that note, though, guys, have a great day, and I will catch you on the next time. Go dogs. <laughs>